Hey fellow entrepreneurs, welcome to Buckets and Boomgates with Kim White and Carrie Zarb, where you get to be the fly on the wall in weekly conversations that are designed for you, the entrepreneur. Business can be hard, and doing it alone is even harder. That is why in this show, these two business owners will share across the globe what they have experienced so you can get serious results while having fun in your business. It's now time to join today's conversation with Kim and Carrie. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. And the vision that was planted in my brain still remains. Within the sound of silence. Hey, Kim. Hey, Carrie. <laughs> Nothing like a little sing-along to kick us off. Definitely not. I am not singing along, Carrie. <laughs> oh, you could. We could do it together, Kim. I was silent, Carrie. Oh. <laughs> There's the crickets. <laughs> wait, wait. I've got crickets. One second. Hang on. They're here somewhere. Just got to find them. And they're still going. Speaking of crickets, Kim, so I'm sure you've heard my crickets in summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have out the front of our place, we've got like a bark garden, then there's rocks and then there's grass. And come summer, the crickets just migrate. Like they they create this almighty, well, I don't even know what to call it, Kim. It's like a huge choir. However, Kim, we're not here to talk about those kinds of crickets so much. We do want to talk about the sound of silence, though. What say you, Kim? I was still being silent, Carrie. (laughs) No, no, I don't want you to be silent. I think whenever you hear silence in your business, it's really a tail sign that you got to pay attention to. And I think it comes in lots of forms. So I think that that's part of the, when we laugh about, getting feedback or whatever when we're all together in mastermind and we laugh about well okay there was crickets and you play your crickets you know sound i think it's interesting why why are there crickets i don't want our listeners to mistake different forms of crickets sometimes when we put something out there into a group setting and there's crickets it's because it hasn't landed right Maybe we haven't asked the question correctly. Maybe we're asking for feedback on something that people don't understand. So I kind of feel like there's those kind of crickets where everyone's just kind of mystified and doesn't know what to say. But then there's the other kind of crickets where whatever you're actually putting out there just isn't resonating with people, right? I think there is definitely that too, Carrie. So that is a... I think that's a huge problem for especially new entrepreneurs. Well, Kim, I kind of think it goes without saying that we have moments in our business as particularly when we first start, we don't even know our own message and we don't know our own brand. We might still be building those muscles and it probably takes us a little while to even put the words together. And sometimes it's a combination of the words and the images when it comes to social media. So sometimes there's crickets for that reason because we're not clear. So maybe if we're not clear, then other people it's not quite landing with. 
And then I think there's also the crickets that come when we maybe do have it right, but people are watching from a distance. They're not necessarily engaging when it comes to social media because I do it. I don't comment on everything. I don't like everyone's posts because I'm, I guess, is, is it okay to say the word loitering, Kim? Yeah. I think there's a lot of what I call outliers. Like they're looking and they're not opposed to what we're saying. They're just not engaging yet. So I do think that there are those kind of crickets as well, Carrie. And I think whenever you're, when you're doing a whatever, like a campaign of something and you're using something that resonates with you, you've got to make sure that it's actually resonating with who it's for. Because sometimes we get caught up in our own creative ways and our own little you know, merry-go-round of, ooh, this sounds really good because you understand it. But if you're not simple enough and you're not juicy enough for someone else to want is on that merry-go-round, you can be wasting a lot of times amusing your own self. Kim, I think I'm going to go back to our intro song of Hello Darkness, My Old Friend, because we're, we can all fall victim to that. We can all be looking at things that make sense to us. And to us, it's super clear. But then to the audience or someone else or someone that, you know, maybe is looking in the outlier kind of space, it's just not landing. And you have to be careful when you hear silence at first, like you were saying. You have to make sure that it's actually they're not resonating versus they're really engaging to see if you are going to really do what you're saying. Because especially if it's new or you've changed recently what you're doing or you've changed what you're saying, a lot of people are waiting to see if you really are true, if, if they can trust what you're saying and do. So I think that's a big, like, that's a big thing too, is don't just rush, like, put things out there and nobody engages the first week. So then you change everything and then nobody engages that week. So you change everything again. That's. I feel like our human tendency is, ooh, let's fix this. But campaigns and marketing and all those things take time to actually land out there. So Kim, with that in mind, do you have a word of advice for someone tuning in? How long should we give it? Whether we know whether our message is landing, do you think there's any kind of time cycle to this? I do, Carrie, but I don't think anybody's going to want to hear this part because everybody wants to do it by the weekend. And I think you can on relationship kind of things, like you can go to people who already know what you're doing or already are engaged with you, and you can do things pretty quick. But I will say the longer you have an on-ramp for something, so if you're wanting to do an event or you're wanting to put a book out there or you're wanting to start you know, podcasting, whatever it is you want to do as an entrepreneur, you got to give yourself time to get it, one, kind of get it right. And I don't mean time behind the scenes. I mean time out loud. So every podcast that ever existed started at zero. Nobody came in with a million followers the first day they started. Like that's not the norm. And I think sometimes in our heads as entrepreneurs, if I can just do this, this is going to cure all of it. 
some of the things you've got to do is be very consistent over time. And I really think six weeks is the minimum amount of time, not the max, but the minimum. Well, Kim, I feel like that's a little bonus because I thought you were going to say six months. So six weeks, six weeks goes fast, guys. Like it's, it's pretty achievable. And six months is actually pretty fast when you think about the lifetime of your business. Because you're not building something, or at least not in our world, our our circle, you're not building something that's just for a minute, you're building something that will last. So there is a difference in how you build something when you want it to be long-term. Like you want to build relationships, you want to, you, you just want to build something where people know they can count on you and they can trust you. And that means more long-term than the flashy, you know, oh, come do this thing. They pay you money and you didn't like follow through and then now they're gone. So you're constantly looking for new people is never the right, like it's never the right thing unless you have already worked out the people you already have. So if the people you already have aren't resonating with something that you're talking about, find out why. Ask questions. And I think your little cricket choir that we are using as an analogy, go go ask them. Go ask them why they're silent. Ask them some engaging things that would not lead to a sale per se, but would lead to the research you need to develop what to sell. So sometimes we're just giving them B when they're asking for A. Kim, I like that. I think research, a lot of us feel like we need to keep that on the inside, like we need to ask our significant other. We need to ask another family member, maybe a, a friend down the road. But actually going to our marketplace and just being a little bit bold and a little bit honest, I think they'll respect that. And if they don't, maybe they're not the people you want following you anyway. Well, and Sherry, you bring up a really good point with that part is you don't want to do business with everyone. Everyone is not going to be your flavor. You're not going to be everyone's flavor. So there are times when I'm thankful for crickets, when I've been in front of people who they're not the people to work with. Like that is one of the, it's one of the hardest things I think as an entrepreneur is to realize you actually want people to say no to you who are not going to help build your business or help build a good relationship or Again, the oars are long, but, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you don't want someone who is high maintenance. You don't want somebody who comes in and out and, and, you know, of your business. And just think there's a lot of reasons to consider. I agree, Kim. And I just want to flip back to the feedback side for a moment, because we touched on this when we first started chatting about the silence that can come from the feedback and the two differences of people are fully confused and don't know where to go versus those that maybe don't want to hurt our feelings with real feedback. Sometimes there's crickets from even our closest people because they don't want to hurt us. Have you seen much of that, Kim? I see it all the time. And it makes me sad because you don't need to be ugly. Like feedback is not about being ugly. It is not. Feedback with the right intention can change the world. Because if you're being honest with someone and kind, and I'm going to put that 
you know, together because you can be honest and ugly and that's not, that doesn't help any. But the honest and kind and making sure somebody understands that what they're saying isn't making sense or what they're saying is something you don't under, like you don't even understand how somebody wants it. Nobody wants a pile of mess. I'm just going to say that that's not what they're looking for. So when you're offering a pile of mess and everybody's patting you on the head and saying, you're doing such a good job, it, that's not kindness. Like, that's not truth. And I think, and, and you already know, I am pretty fierce with my feedback, but I feel like the higher you go in life and in business, the fewer people actually give you real feedback. They They will do what you said. They'll They'll guard your feelings or they'll avoid any kind of confrontation with you. And so sometimes confrontation, and I don't mean like meanness, I still mean just standing up and saying, you know, I appreciate what you're doing, but this is how it feels, or this is what it looks like, or this is, you know, just the honest, the honest things can be very hard on the giver of the feedback and it can be very hard on the receiver of the feedback. But that's what changes me. And Kim, when I've sensed that with people that I've looked to get feedback from, if I sense it, it's the read the room kind of moment, I'll speak up. I'll actually speak up and say, listen, I really want your feedback. I want your honest feedback. You're not going to hurt my feelings if you can't think of a nice way to put it, just spit it out because I need it. I'm asking for it. I want it. But then we've got to look at ourselves and recognize, well, hang on a minute, then don't throw all your toys out of your cot when you get it. So if you didn't want the crickets and you didn't want to be pat on the head, don't throw your toys later on if you actually get what you're asking for. You know, we say all the time, be careful what you ask for, you might get it. And I think that's a good example of even on in the not creepy room on Clubhouse, you know, people coming in may hear us be pretty fierce with our feedback and they may not understand it. It may scare them off some. But to be honest, I'd rather them sit in the audience and listen for a little while and be ready for the feedback because that's what that space is for. And we've talked about this in, you know, other episodes, Carrie, but I want to mention it's not red carpet feedback. Don't give somebody that they wore the wrong dress on the red carpet as they're going into the event. That's that's wrong. That's not kind. It's the before they got there, before they spend all their effort doing something, before they've done all these other things, that's when to speak up and say, can I give you feedback if they're not asking? And sometimes that answer is no. Sometimes they don't want your feedback and that's okay. You've got to learn to say, okay, and, and move on because not everybody's going to want the gift of feedback. And it is a gift, but it can be, it can be hard to give it and it can be hard to receive it. So Kim, let's talk about sales and crickets in sales just for a couple of minutes before we hop out of here, because I think this is something that commonly happens probably more so than just social media in itself. So when we put something out, a product or a service, and nobody's biting, I guess is, is a way to look at it, I think our immediate reaction is, oh, there's crickets, I better drop my price. Oh, I should put it on special. Oh, I'll run a sale. I'll run a promotion. And we panic and we get stuck in this, this moment of, 
well, I've got to do something. Nothing's happening. I have to do something. Oh, it's my fault. I've got the wrong price. Oh, I haven't, I haven't done the thing right. So I've, I've got to make a change. Have you got something you want to add to that, Kim? Definitely do, Kiri, because when you're talking sales, that is a litmus test. That's a test to see if you're really translating. Um, and I will say that sometimes we set our prices too low and it's a perceived value of, you know, it's not really worth it. That's why it's so cheap. I can tell you one of the best um, programs I ever invested in in my whole life was quite a few years ago. And it was very inexpensive. And I blew it off for, I think it was three years. I, I think that's how long before I finally decided to join. It was one of the best things I ever did. And I told the, you know, the one that had created it, I told them, I said, you know, I want you to know, I almost never did this because of the how like small your price was. And they raised their price the very next like time that they did it. And they got more people than they had ever had before. And I think there was a lot of people like me sitting back and saying, if that works, why is that so cheap? So sometimes you have to look at that too, is that the price can put people off because it's always discounted or always really low. And that's an insecurity on us as an entrepreneur. Oh, it must be the price is too high. Well, no, it doesn't mean that. Sometimes the price is even too low, but you have to you have to match the value you're giving with the price versus, you know, well, I need this much money to pay whatever I need to pay. It's what is the value somebody's getting out of it? So thinking about the other person instead of you. What what is that gonna do for their life? And Kim, you've just reminded me of the old phrase of giving away the farm and the livestock as well. Like sometimes sometimes we just keep adding more. Sometimes we think, oh, okay, I didn't get any sales. Let me add more things to the product. So it's more enticing at the price it is rather than looking at, A, how we're translating what's inside the product or service and, and that price tag. So ooh, I feel like that's an episode of its own, Kim. It might be, Gary. And I will say that when you're adding more and more on, sometimes I buy things because of the bonus. I don't actually want whatever their thing is they're selling. I actually want the thing that is the free thing that goes with the thing that they're selling. So I have bought things for what they call the bonus, but I also have not purchased things I really actually wanted because I didn't know what I was going to do with all that extra stuff. And it feels wasteful to us. You have to remember people have the concept of it can feel very wasteful when we buy something and it's not what we want. So if somebody, if for example, if you sell me something like silverware, like, and you sell me a set of silverware for a family of eight, that's awesome because then I have extras and like all of that. If you want to sell me that and then give me a bonus of 32 more pieces, I'm thinking, who can I give that to? Because it, so it requires other decisions because I don't really want those other things. And so sometimes giving exactly what somebody wants and somebody is asking for is more important than piling on the, the other things that they don't really want. <laughs> but wait, there's more and it's not a set of steak knives. 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but when you put it together, if you buy the, the you called it a silverware set, Kim, forks and knives and spoons, like it's so Kerry language, that's a cutlery set. And that's just, it's probably this, it is the same thing. But if you buy a cutlery set, and like you said, it, it's got a setting for eight, and then they throw in the steak knives, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty excited. And that's what I would expect as a bonus that goes with the cutlery is the steak knives. Or they might throw in cake forks or something, extra teaspoons, that type of thing. Whereas if you're selling, hmm, let's think for a second. If you're selling, now I can't think of an example, Kim. <laughs> I'm, I'm letting down the team. I can't think of a good example. Well, I will give you something, Carrie, and that is when somebody wants to learn how to do something, and, and let's just say podcasting, they, they're wanting something from podcasting, and then you throw in something that's totally off, you're going to get somebody that says, oh, that's awesome. But most of the people who want to learn to podcast are not wanting to learn how to do whatever this other thing is, you know. I don't, I don't want to do that right now. That's not what I was looking at. I was looking at the podcasting part. And so I don't want to learn how to wax cars right. Like it doesn't fit together or you don't want to just learn how to podcast. Well, I'm going to teach you how to podcast and I'm going to teach you how to, you know, do all the podcast things to get a million people this week. And like, it's this big overwhelming thing when Truly, what are the first steps of whatever it is you're teaching? What is the first thing they need to buy of, of the cutlery set? Like, do they really need all the cake forks if they don't even have cutlery yet? Like, these are the kind of things you have to think about. And as entrepreneurs and our insecurities come up, we're like, oh, I bet they're, I just need to give more and more and more. That comes from not valuing what you're doing. Because less is actually more. If somebody walks away with a, if they walk away with the win and they can actually implement something and do it, that's a bigger win than giving them 42 sets of steak knives that they can't use. I love it, Kim. <laughs> Such a great example. Thank you for saving us on the example. No saving involved, Carrie. This is a conversation. <laughs> Well, Kim, I think we should wrap it up here before we hit summer and the crickets really move in for the season. Any any final thoughts before we leave our wonderful listeners? I think here, Carrie, in the triple digits, the crickets have moved out. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and they're probably going to move in here in a few months, so they must be migrating from you to me as we speak. So they've left Texas because it's too damn hot. And they're heading over to Australia. They're on the boat, Kim. That's where they are. <laughs> That's where they are. I think being open to feedback. That's probably the my final thinking of this, Carrie, is just pay attention. Pay attention to where the crickets are making a loud noise because sometimes silence is louder than noise. And my final thoughts, Kim, are don't panic about the crickets. They may look like they've moved in. They might be loud. They might be screaming. Don't hit the panic button. Take a breath. Take a moment and assess the landscape. Don't just suddenly start making rapid changes without doing your own assessment. I agree, Jerry. Awesome. 
Well, Kim, I will chat to you next week. See you then, Kerry. Thank you for joining Kim and Kerry in today's conversation of Buckets and Boomgates. Don't forget to follow the show to be the fly on the wall for future episodes, and they can't wait to chat with you next week.